you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 26. This is God's Word. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said. He said to them, I tell you the truth. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. I want you to notice one phrase in verse 16. It says, The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. How did Jesus do that? Okay? They said, Where would you like for us to go and prepare the Passover for you? And Jesus said, go into the city, and as you're going in, you'll meet a man 
who's carrying a jar of water and you just follow him. Because Jesus knew that in the city there would only be one guy who'd be carrying a jar of water. Well, Jesus knew exactly what they would need in order to recognize the right guy. How did did he know it was good? Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Therefore, the Father knew exactly what was going to happen and made sure that when they walked in, nobody else was carrying a jar of water except that guy that they saw at that moment. And lo and behold, that guy was the servant of the fella who owned the house where Jesus was going to eat the Passover. And so, what they discovered when they went in was exactly as Jesus had said. This is a pattern that runs all through the Scripture. This is something that we see in the Old Testament and the New. Everything turns out just as God says. Exactly as God says. God told Abraham, who was really old, Sarah's going to have a baby this time next year. And Abraham thought, I don't see how that's possible because she's never been able to have children. And if she was ever going to be able to have children, this wouldn't be the time. But you know what happened, don't you? It happened just as God said. God knows everything. So it should not shock us that God would know that when they walked into the city, they were going to meet a fellow who was carrying a jar of water and that he would be the servant of the man who owned the house where Jesus was going to celebrate Passover. Yeah, but, okay, so Jesus could do that because, you know, I mean, he's, he's God, right? Yes, he's God. But he also is a man who lived a perfect life Only doing what the Father told him to do. Only saying what the Father told him to say. What happened when they walked into the city, they were obeying the word of the Lord. Because Jesus had said, do this. Jesus said, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. They obeyed. Do you want to see the power of God at work in your life in supernatural ways? Obey God's word. Do what he says. They didn't know all the rest of it. They just knew what Jesus had told them to do, and they did what he said. Follow him. So they followed him, and then Jesus said, Say to the owner of the house that he enters, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. And so the disciples left, they went into the city, and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. 
Do you remember what happened when the shepherds got a message, the word of the Lord from the angels? And they were told, go into Bethlehem. Child's been born. You're going to recognize him this way. He's going to be wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And so the shepherds went into the city, and lo and behold, what did they find? That it was exactly as the angel had said. Everything in all of history has happened and will happen just as he says. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. This is vital for us to grasp. Because we're living in a world where it so frequently looks as if things are out of control. Things are not out of control. Well, things are ugly. Yes, things are ugly. There's a lot of horrible evil. Yes. Shocking things. Yes. But this is exactly what God told us to expect. Don't be surprised at the trial that has come upon you as if something strange were happening. We read in the epistle. Why? Well, because this is exactly what God said we should expect. So, you and I need to dig in and see what God has said. We need to be living in His Word and His Word in us. Because everything is going to turn out just as God says. Thank you for listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Did you know that along with being an excellent Bible teacher, Pastor Wood has authored over a dozen books? We'd like to encourage you to visit wvr.org for resources and books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife Susan. You can also listen to or download teachings by Pastor Wood 24-7. Please visit wvr.org today. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And is holding out his hand Verses 17 through 21. Look at it with me, please. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened. And one by one they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. So Jesus speaks a word of warning here. Because Jesus knew what would happen and had already told them what would happen. He'd already said it multiple times. They still didn't get it. Every time Jesus tried to warn them, they were like, I, oh, that's, that's, I don't like that. I'm not sure what he's talking about. Jesus not only knew what would happen, Jesus had not only told them what would happen, 
Jesus knew who would do it. How would you treat somebody that you knew was going to betray you? You didn't suspect that they might. You didn't question whether they were trustworthy. You knew that they were not trustworthy and that for all the professions of love, Judas is going to betray him with a kiss. And Jesus will comment on it. But see, Judas, up to the very end, is pretending his love. And Jesus knew the whole time that it was fake. How do you treat somebody like that? Jesus washed his feet and fed him a meal. That, that blows my mind. And it blows my mind on two levels. Number one, I have to realize how merciful he's been to me. We were his enemies, now seated at his table. God says, you can eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden except this one. Don't eat the fruit of that tree or you will die. What did we do? Oh, it looks good. Temptation has always been a lie that tells us we can get an improved situation by disobeying God. You say, well, I wasn't in the garden. Yes, you were. Okay? You were in Adam's loins. Biblically speaking, we were all there. So I'm not responsible for what they did. No, you're not responsible for what they did, but because of what they did, you and I have demonstrated how powerful heredity can be. Because all of us have done the same thing. It's not just Adam and Eve who blew it. It's us. We all inherited this sin nature, and we manifest it, okay? But I know a cure for sin. Jesus came into this world, lived a perfect life, and then offered himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He did that so that we would not only be forgiven, but that we would be transformed. So you never sin anymore? I sin less than I used to. And someday... I will be absolutely sinless with him in heaven. And there will be not only no more power of sin, no more penalty of sin, in heaven there will be no more presence of sin. Hallelujah! Can you imagine living in a place where nobody, including you, ever even wanted to sin? My friend Sandy Wilson says, in heaven we can do whatever we want to, because all we'll want to do is the will of God. Hallelujah. So, the disciples did not suspect Judas, but they wondered about themselves. That's a good thing. They knew that Jesus was perfect, but they knew that they weren't. And one by one, all of them asked, is it I? 
Jesus makes a statement here that we need to mention. He says, Woe to the one who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. This is not advocating for taking human lives before they're born. But it is a comforting statement regarding what happens to those who die before they are born. All of us are born with a sin nature. But we are not held responsible for the sins of others. And we are not held guilty for sin before we have an awareness of right and wrong. That's why the subject of age of accountability came into being in the church. If we read what Paul says in Romans about before the law was there, there was no sin. Now, all of us have the law written on our hearts. And all of us, even though we may not have the Ten Commandments, do things that are wrong. So nobody's going to be able to stand before God on Judgment Day and say, well, you know, nobody ever read the Ten Commandments to me. I didn't have a Bible. Nobody preached in my village. Because all of us, everybody out there in the most remote place on earth, all of us have an awareness of right and wrong, and all of us have done wrong. And all of us have failed to do things we know we should do. So all of us, in terms of the law, stand guilty before God. But Jesus speaks here of the fact that the guilt of those who are not ever born is not like the guilt of those of us who are. Verses 22 through 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Mark, who has the shortest gospel, gives a shorter account of what transpired here than Matthew or Luke, but he gives us the essentials, the essentials that every week we celebrate as we remember what Jesus did for us. But Mark's focus and ours is not as much on the picture as it is on the meaning. It's not so much on the details, it's hurrying on to get to what happened. This was pointing, Jesus' words and the Passover itself was pointing toward what Jesus was going to do. And that's where Mark wants us to focus. I vividly remember the first time I ever went to a Passover Seder. I was in college. And our professor had prepped us beforehand about the things to look for in the service. And I sat there 
and was moved to tears by the fact that we understand what this is a picture of. And the people all around the tables in that room with us did not know. We were celebrating in a synagogue there in the Boston suburbs. And the people were very nice to let us come and celebrate with them. But they didn't understand the meaning of the picture. My wife and I have a lot of old photographs. We're kind of the family historians in some ways for both our families. And my wife is really good at it. Um, but it's getting to where we don't have the energy to try and explain to the future generations who some of those pictures are of. I mean, I felt a responsibility to keep Cousin Lois's picture. She was my father's cousin, not mine. She sang with the Metropolitan Opera. And she was a very interesting character. Now I'm Facebook friends with her granddaughter, who has come to faith in Christ, and that's glorious. But, but here's the thing. There's no point in passing on to my children or my grandchildren pictures where if they look at it, they'll say, well, I have no idea who that is. Jesus said that when we approach this meal, we need to do it in remembrance of him. There are, I dare say, tragically, millions of people around the world who celebrate communion who really don't understand what it's about. They view it as kind of a magical thing and they hope it works. Kind of like some of us take vitamin and mineral supplements. Okay? I hope this will help. Okay? I think this is supposed to keep me from losing my memory, but I can't remember. <laughs> That's the approach that many people take toward communion. I don't really understand what it's about, but I, you know, this is what, this is what Christians do. So I'm going to go up there and I'm going to get some and I'm going to hope it helps. It won't help. You might as well take vitamins and minerals because they could do more for you. Jesus said if we eat and drink in an unworthy manner, we only bring judgment on ourselves. Don't do this unless you understand that your only hope is Jesus. And that Jesus did what you could never do. He paid the price for you to receive eternal life. But eternal life means He is Lord. He's the boss. You don't want to do this if you're hoping it'll help you be able to be the boss. That's not the way this works. They sang a hymn, and then they went out. Jesus knew what was about to happen. Jesus had told them what was about to happen. And after they'd celebrated this, and he knew the disciples still didn't get it, and Judas is going off to get the folks who were going to come and arrest him, 
Jesus joined with them in worship. They sang a hymn and went out. How should we respond to people who are hurting us, want to put a dagger in us? None of us are facing what Jesus was facing. But Jesus sang a hymn, let us worship God. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.